0: Today's reading is from 1 Thessalonians, um, chapter 2, verse 17, to uh, chapter 3, verse 13. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of, the, of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by our, ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and, our, and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. But you know quite well that we are, we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you all know. For this reason, when I, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to, me, come to us from you and has brought, brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you'll be blameless and holy in, in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Lord God, please make us good listeners to your word this evening. Thank you for speaking to us, and thank you that by your word you change your people. Please, would that happen tonight. Amen. Well, June the 4th is a day that's looming rather large in my mind and in Catherine's at the moment, and that's because that's the day that the doctors tell us that our first child is due. And we're referring to it at, um, at home as D-Day. I was a little bit disappointed when they told us the date, 4th of June, So if it was two days later, it would actually be on the 6th of June, D-Day, the 18th anniversary, Uh, but never mind. Uh, The date is looming large in our calendar, and even though it's a little while off, it's already making quite a big difference to our lives. It's made a difference to what Catherine can eat and drink and do. It's made a difference to the way we plan things. We've had to um, say goodbye to the tiny yellow Fiat 500 and find a car that's big enough for three human beings and a buggy. Um, It's fair to say it's the most important future date in our diary, and it's changed everything. Now, the reason I mention it is because, similarly, in 1 Thessalonians, uh, the book we've been in these last few weeks, uh, Paul has a life-transforming future event in his mind, and he writes to these Christians in Thessalonica because he wants them to put that same event in their diaries— and he wants it to have the same life-transforming effect that it's had on him. Um, it won't be a surprise to hear that the life-transforming future event Paul's thinking of is Jesus' return. Uh, it's come up quite a bit in the letter already, so 1 verse 10, which we already heard this evening, um, Paul reminds them that they're waiting for Jesus, who saves them from the coming wrath. Uh, 2 verse 19, he says that, He's looking forward to being with them in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes. And then in tonight's passage, uh, we're just looking tonight at um, chapter 3, 11 to 13. Tonight's passage, Paul prays that they would be ready and standing firm when the Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Now, I hesitated a little bit about using a childbirth illustration to talk about Jesus' return until I noticed it is the illustration he uses in, um, in chapter 5, pregnancy and labour pains. Uh, he uses that to talk about Jesus' return. So good enough for Paul, uh, good enough for me. Jesus is coming as inevitably and as suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman um, to judge and to save his people, to judge his enemies and save his people. And that changes everything uh, and Paul wants it to change everything for the Thessalonians and for us. The the main way it changes things is not, however, that now I have to try really, really hard and do loads of good things so that when Jesus comes back, I'm in spiritual kind of credit, not debt. I think that's how people often think the gospel makes a difference. Uh, That's total rubbish. Um, Instead, if we're with Jesus, following him, trusting in him, um, he's completely forgiven us, completely wiped the slate clean, completely dealt with our sin, and promises to save us on the day he returns, which means that the, the main way his return impacts us and changes everything is that if you are a Christian, the biggest priority, maybe even the only priority, is that you and your Christian brothers and sisters stay with Jesus, ready for when he comes. Uh, That is what this letter is about. Paul urging these believers in Thessalonica and urging us to keep going with Jesus and not give up. Uh, Because he's coming. And on the day he comes, the only thing that's going to matter is am I with him or not? Is he coming to save me or to judge me? Um, I think that uh, chapter 5, verse 9. yeah, I think chapter 5, verse 9 is a strong contender for a headline verse for 1 Thessalonians. You could have 1, verse 10. They're both strong contenders. Um, anyone who's following Jesus, chapter 5, verse 9 is true for you, um, which says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And those of us in the room for whom that is true, uh, this letter is designed to help us keep going and to encourage us to help others keep going and the short prayer that we're in those three verses um, is no exception Um, so let's see what paul prays in chapter three Um, and i hope there's going to be a little outline that appears behind me yeah number point one um, paul's number one priority let's read the beginning of his prayer in verse 11 now may our god and father himself and our lord jesus clear the way for us to come to you In some ways, it feels quite strange, maybe, for Paul to begin his prayer by praying for his travel arrangements. But I hope it's obvious that the point here isn't that we should pray for good traffic on the M25 and no delays on the tube. Um, Perfectly fine to pray for those things, but not what it's about here. It's clearly, isn't it, about Paul's longing to see the Thessalonian Christians and encourage them Christianly, help them keep going with Jesus. Um, In the verse just before, he's told them, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what's lacking in your faith. Uh, we may find that understanding a bit about the background to this letter is going to help us understand what's going on here. We've heard about it quite a few times already. You, you'll have picked up that Paul's writing to this baby, uh, the newly established baby church um, in Thessalonica, just a few months old. Um, And he's very, very concerned that they might give up on Jesus. You can see that in 3 verse 5. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. Uh, Paul brought them the message about Jesus. He was forced to leave them three weeks later. And now he's 300 miles away in Corinth, um, worried sick they might give up. And as he writes this later, he's just, just found out That they're doing really well. Timothy, his closest colleague and friend, has just done the 600-mile round trip, brought the good news. But Paul still longs to see them, as we can see in our passage tonight. He longs to see them because he wants to help them. He wants to teach them more about their saviour, Jesus, more about the gospel. He wants to teach them more about what it looks like to be a Christian and follow Jesus. Jesus' return is so central to how Paul sees the world that his biggest priority, his number one priority, is that believers in Jesus keep going with him. And Paul's going to do everything and anything he can to help. Um, Even if that means travelling 300 miles to a town where last time he was there they chased him out and he had to flee for his safety. Um, And it's not that the Thessalonians like need something more from Paul. He, he's not got sort of more gospel to give them uh, and, and without which they won't be proper Christians. They've got everything already in Jesus. But so that they don't give up what they have, Paul wants to go and encourage them, to, to sort of cheer them on as they run the race, to motivate them to keep going even when it's hard, to tell them how brilliant Jesus is and why it would be a ridiculous decision to give up. Because as far as Paul's concerned, the most important thing, his number one priority, is that they keep following Jesus. And I want to spend just a moment considering what we make of Paul's priorities. Uh, you do find people out in the world, maybe in here, uh, with what can only be described as very ridiculous obsessions. Uh, like there's a guy who I saw, I think it must have been on YouTube, um, whose main goal in life is to look as much like David Beckham as he can. I don't know why I'm pointing at myself. As much like David Beckham as he can. So he spent tens of thousands of pounds and lots and lots of uh, years uh, on surgery and treatments and cosmetics and all the rest of it to make himself look like David Beckham. I've seen a picture of him. He looks nothing like David Beckham, um, despite his life-consuming obsession. I, I guess we'd, we'd broadly agree he can do what he wants with his money and his time and his energy. He's not hurting anyone. But I also think we'd all broadly agree it's not the best way to spend your money and your time and your energy. And I don't imagine anyone in this room is hearing about this chap and going, oh yeah, I think I'm going to do that too. Uh, Surely that is what some people must think about Paul as we read about his kind of life consuming devotion and obsession with helping Christians keep going. Uh, There'll be some people who read this, perhaps not in this room, but maybe who think Paul's just a little bit over the top, a little bit unnecessary. Um, My guess is that we're only going to agree with Paul and his priorities if we understand, like he does, what's at stake. And Paul considers it a very real danger that people who are following Jesus might give up on him. Um, So 3 verse 5 again. I found this to be quite a helpful verse. 3 verse 5. I was afraid... That in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might be in vain. Um, He considers it a great tragedy if they fall away because, 1 verse 10, Jesus is coming to save people from the coming wrath. And without Jesus, uh, there's nothing but judgment for for what our sins deserve. And so he prays, in in the verse we've just looked at, for the opportunity to see these Christians again, uh, to help them keep going. Until he returns. That's why his priorities are like this. Uh, well, whatever we make of his priorities, it's clear, I think, why he's told us what he cares about. Uh, because the next thing he prays in verse twelve is that we would be like him. So point two, well, point one was Paul's number one priority. Point two um, is is to be our priority. It's going to be kind of a building sentence. Paul's number one priority is to be our number 1 priority can we read verse 12 together please may the lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you and can you hear that paul's praying for the thessalonians to be to each other like he is to them I don't imagine it's a massive surprise that a big prayer of Paul's is that Christians would love each other. I don't think that's going to kind of have any jaws on the floor. But for me, the surprise was that he doesn't just mean sort of being nice to each other. Of course, he doesn't mean less than that. But I think the type of thing that is in focus here is the kind of love that Paul's already modelled, the kind of love that has as its priority Christians keeping going with Jesus. May the Lord, verse 12, make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Paul says, I want you to love each other the way that I love you. That's what he says to the Thessalonians. And we know what that love looks, love looks like because we've, we've read the letter and we've seen how Paul came to them with the gospel, even in the face of violent opposition. Uh, He brought the gospel to them and required nothing from them so that there'd be no kind of barrier uh, to them believing the gospel. Since their separation, he's been sick with worry and praying endlessly for them. He's now just sent his closest friend and colleague, Timothy, to do kind of weeks and weeks of travelling around just to see how they're doing and help them keep going. This is the kind of love that Paul wants us to have for each other, the kind of love that notices when someone's not been at church for a few weeks uh, not because that is necessarily a signal of disaster but it, it's not an insignificant thing for someone to decide to stop meeting with other Christians and stop hearing from God and his word that, those are some of the ways he's given us to, to keep going uh, and I hope that if you didn't see me for a, you know, uh, for a month or something at church that, that someone might get in touch and check I was okay uh, it's the kind of love That praise for friends and family that they'd keep going with Jesus and keep growing. As I think of the things that I pray for my family and friends and like my sisters, I was I'm challenged that I I pray much less than I think I should for their kind of Christian life and perseverance. I often pray for kind of health and security and work and all the rest of it. But what should I most want for my two little sisters, who who thankfully are Christians? What should I most want for them? Surely it's that they hold on to Jesus and don't give up, ready for his return. Uh, Paul wants us to have the kind of love that um, goes along to church, not just because it's good for us and nourishing, which it is, um, but also because it's good and encouraging for other people too, um, to see you there, to, um, to, uh, to have that kind of encouraging conversation afterwards. And I think what I'm encouraged by is it's the, it's the kind of love that any Christian can have. Paul's not writing to a group of Christian leaders who've been leading Bible studies for years. He's writing to a group of people who've only known Jesus for a couple of months, maybe. And he thinks that they are equipped to encourage each other to keep going Christianly, which means that um, you are qualified and equipped to be the kind of loving brother and sister that Paul is talking about if... You believe the gospel and have a mouth. I think those are the conditions. Or a phone, maybe, so you can text someone. One of the biggest encouragements to me since leaving Cambridge is the knowledge that um, a handful of the teenagers that we used to work with in the youth group, they've now left Cambridge and they're off at university, but they're in a little WhatsApp group together, and every time they come back to Cambridge for Christmas and Easter and kind of eight weeks at summer, they they text each other and they, they meet up to pray for each other because they want each other to to keep going with Jesus. As we look ahead to another week, perhaps the question then for us is, who who is it that I could be a loving Christian friend to? Um, Who could I pray for, message, meet up with, um, encourage to keep going? Um, What would it look like if my number one priority was like Paul's, that other believers keep going with Jesus. It will look like any number of things, and maybe a good way to start would be to chat about it with the person you're sitting next to after the service. And Paul's number one priority is to be our number one priority, point three, so that we're ready for Jesus' return. And we'll read verse 13, which is the sort of conclusion to the prayer. May he strengthen your hearts... So that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. There is that future life transforming event again in full focus. I hope it's clear how Jesus' return is framing everything Paul says. Why does he want to visit the Thessalonians? Why does he want them to love each other the way he loves them? So that their hearts are strengthened and they're blameless and holy on the day Jesus returns. And now I have to be quite careful in this next bit. Um, Having done 13 weeks of New Testament Greek, I am thoroughly unqualified to do any kind of commenting on the Greek language. But I did do what anyone else could do, which is look at lots of different English translations. I don't like doing this, but I think it's quite helpful here. Um, I found that um, of the 60 I looked at, um, 50 put a so that... ...between verse 12 and verse 13. So it looks like it's kind of two separate prayers. prayers. May he cause you to love each other... ...and may he strengthen your hearts. Um, But 50 out of 60 Bible um, translators... ...think it's may he increase your love for each other... ...so that your hearts will be strengthened. I mean it's the same prayer. The one causes the other. It is as we love each other the way Paul describes... ...that we will be enabled to keep going until Jesus comes to judge and to save. And many in the room I suspect will know people who at one time were going as Christians, but have now given up. And I've certainly got friends, ex-housemates, people I was at youth group with, Christian union with, people I've served with at summer camps, and all the rest of it, who at one time were going with Jesus, but now would say they're not believers. And it is precisely because that happens that we need to love each other the way Paul describes. It's precisely because that happens that we need others to love us the way Paul describes. Of course, it's entirely in God's hands and in God's strength that people keep going with Jesus. It's not sort of up to us. But it is also true that The way he builds his church and sustains his people, one of the ways, is as they love each other and speak to each other about him and encourage each other and help each other keep going. Verse 13 says that as inevitably as labor pains come to pregnant women, Jesus is coming back. It's those who've been made blameless and holy by Jesus' cleansing death who will be saved. And it's those who keep going with him and hold on to him who are going to be found blameless and holy. And all of us know to one degree or another that keeping going with Jesus is hard. And so all of us know to one degree or another that that we absolutely need each other, we need other believers to help us keep going, to speak the gospel to us, to pray for us, to ask us how we're doing Christianly, to say difficult things if needed. that is what you need and I need. And other Christians need you to do that for them. The devil would absolutely love it if we all tried to do the Christian life solo. And he'd absolutely love it if we all thought that we personally weren't qualified or equipped or needed to help other people. So let's keep in mind... Uh, this week, Jesus's soon return, um, let's pray for God's help in loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, let's pray that he'd keep each of us ready for the day Jesus returns. And uh, why not let's start thinking about that even today, even this evening, about how we can best love and serve each other in light of Jesus' return. Let's be quiet for a moment, and then I'll pray. Lord God, we know that Jesus is coming soon to judge and to save. Please give us such a love for each other and all our brothers and sisters in Christ that we long for them to keep clinging to Jesus until he returns. Please surround us by people who will encourage us to keep going. And please use us to encourage others to keep going. Father, we long for Jesus' return. Please keep us until then and into eternity. Amen.